Good morning. You guys all ready? Okay, we're going to do something a little different this morning, and I want to hurry so that I can get to it, uh, kind of back where we just were. Um, uh, so, as you know, we finished up our series last week, and uh, Rachel and I are going on vacation for a couple weeks in the Smokies, and so uh, I was praying about uh, what God wanted to do this morning. I have no idea what He wants to do when we get back. I'll try to figure that out on vacation. But uh, He said, have a healing service. He said this. This was not my idea. Now, do you know the difference between having a healing service and, and teaching on healing? Yeah, the difference is that a healing service, people are supposed to get healed. Uh, teaching on healing, that's not required. And he didn't tell me to teach on healing. He specifically said, have a healing service. So I think he wants to heal people this morning. Okay? Good. This could be the right crowd. Uh, he will do that if we believe. Uh, we'll look at that in a minute. So what I'm going to do, I want to talk about that a little bit this morning. And this isn't going to be a real thorough teaching. It's going to be more like a pep talk to get us in the right frame of mind to uh, see some healings. Okay? Now... By the way, I'm going to keep saying the word healing, but later on when we're praying for each other, if, you know, that just seems too limited for you and you want to cast out devils or people get baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's okay. We'll expand those limits. Uh, anything that Jesus does, you can do, but we're going to focus on healing, all right? Now, the uh, first thing that comes up when you talk about healing is faith. Faith is indisputably a factor, and because of this, uh, it has sometimes, I think, been a problem. Um, let me show you. In Mark 9.23, there's this guy whose son is mute and deaf and, uh, and occasionally gets thrown in the fire and things like that. And so they're pretty sure it's a demonic spirit. And he takes him to the disciples, and the disciples can't do anything. And they bring him to Jesus, and they want to know if Jesus can do anything, right? And here's Jesus' answer. Uh, in Mark, Mark 9, 23, Jesus says to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. There was clearly a condition on whether or not Jesus can do something, wasn't it? Jesus was saying, if you'll enter into partnership with me, this thing can happen, and it does happen. Here's the partnership, and it's an interesting partnership. Jesus does all the miracles. We believe that Jesus can do all the miracles. You understand your part in the partnership. It's important because if we start to thinking that we're doing it, uh, that sometimes screws us up. Jesus does it. We believe that Jesus does it. It's important that we believe. That's how we partner with Him. Amen? Now, uh, there are hindrances, obviously, to faith. And again, any of these could be a lengthy teaching, and I'm going to not do that. Uh, just going to look at Matthew 13, 58. You're familiar with this passage in Matthew 13. Jesus has gone home for a vacation. He's in his hometown, and they've heard a lot about the stuff that Jesus has been doing all over the place, but he's home now, and the, the verses that lead up to this are things like, hey, isn't that Joseph's son, Jesus? You know, I remember him. I remember when he was a kid. He didn't do anything that impressive. He made me a table, that's all. Uh, it wasn't even a miraculous table. And... Uh, I, I don't remember anybody getting healed in the village when he was here. We know Jesus. And so it says, now he, Jesus, did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Right? Now, I think it's not a coincidence that they were familiar 
with Jesus, that he was, this was Nazareth where he grew up. What they knew about Jesus, what they had previously experienced from Jesus, the, the expectations that they had formed somehow kept them from believing for greater expectations. You understand? And we're not in Nazareth, but we are in church. How many of you have been going to church for decades? How many of you came here with expectations this morning? Don't raise your hands. How many of you weren't that high? Because you're familiar, right? This is what happens at church. You read the Bible, but then we know what happens at church. Uh, there'll be worship, there'll be the presence of God, I'll come home, right? So I want to challenge you today. Part of what I'm doing is challenging you uh, to not get in a rut with your expectations. Maybe we need to raise our expectations. Uh, I want to give you a quick testimony um, of the Bethel Healing Room. I love uh, Bethel Church because they've really pressed the envelope on faith. Uh, they, they have healings like every week. They have lots of healings. They have awesome healing testimonies. They'll have a staff meeting, and they'll just spend two hours doing testimonies. That would be a fun staff meeting, yeah? So in all of this, uh, what's happening, people were showing up from all over the world to go to church there on Sunday, one of the several services, to get healed. Um, but because they're flying in, they were spending Saturday in a hotel room waiting to go to Sunday church to get healed. And so somebody, I forget who it was, somebody on staff at Bethel said, hey, I got a bright idea. Why don't we do a healing room on Saturday? And the people that are staying, staying in hotels could just come to the healing room and get healed on Saturday. And then they don't have to come to church on Sunday. If they don't want to, they can go to Disney. So uh, it's all good. So they did this, and they got the people, and they're all excited, and they started doing the Saturday healing rooms, and nobody was getting healed. They were getting healed on Sunday morning. They weren't getting healed at the Saturday healing rooms. And what they're doing, they're bringing the people in. They're doing a, a brief interview, 15 minutes or so, find out what they need, how, what's their issue, assigning people to pray for them, all that stuff. And they got these volunteers. And after a few months of this, they're losing volunteers. It's just the guy who's leading it, and I think like one other guy. Because it's no fun to do a healing room if nobody's getting healed. Right? And it's no fun to do a healing service if nobody gets healed. I just want to point that out. So, he's about ready to throw in the towel and go, this Saturday thing was a bad idea. We'll just go back to, you know, people staying in their hotel room waiting for Sunday to get healed. And God speaks to him and says, you're not going to solve the problem by focusing on the problem. He had a focus issue. So he said, okay, we're going to change our focus. Here's what they did. This is all they did. They said, from now on, get all the volunteers. We're going to worship because God inhabits praises. He comes and gets in the middle of them. We're going to worship hour, hour and a half, two hours, whatever it takes. We're going to worship till we have the presence of God. And then we'll open the doors and let the people in. We're not going to interview them. We're just going to let them in and start praying for them. And guess what happened? They started seeing healings. And weird healings, like, you know, they, the guys, uh, I remember they tell stories like a guy just, I forget what he was even wrong with him, but he was like, hey, you know, like, do something. Walk over the wall and come back. And after they prayed for him, he walked over the wall and came back and got healed on halfway back. So now, again, this is how clever we are. We will, we won't probably do this one because this one's too obvious, but we'll do it in other ways. We'll spend the next few weeks telling people to go touch a wall. Because that's how the last guy got healed. 
right? It wasn't because he touched the walls, because he did what Jesus said to do. So, here's what I want you to see in this testimony. It was about the presence of God. This is important. Whenever we talk about healing, and we know faith is an issue, what often happens, I experience this, I take part in this, I have done this. What often happens is we start out talking about healing and faith, and we end up in scrutiny. We end up in a discussion about why we don't get healed and what, would, what we could change to get people healed. And I think at some point we look foolish. We're just two people talking about why no one gets healed because we believe that people should get healed, but they're not. Do you understand what I'm saying? The moment we enter into scrutiny, we're not in faith. And which is what they were doing. They were, they were trying to figure out, and uh, here's the method, and here's how you pray for them. And, uh, how many of you have done that, where you started out talking about healing, and you got in a conversation about why people aren't getting healed at church? Everybody done that? Yeah. And I wonder how that looks to unbelievers. Just, you know, a lot of, they invited me to church, but, you know, they're just talking about why people don't get healed, and that one thinks it's that, and that one thinks it's that, and that one thinks it's that. And it's a good argument, but no one's getting healed. You understand what I'm saying? So, I think we want to avoid all the trying to figure out why stuff doesn't happen. Just Let's just not worry about it. Let's just let that be Jesus' problem. Because we've read the Bible, and we know people are supposed to get healed. So, let's just try and do more. If, you know, if this week two people get healed, let's go for three next week. Instead of worrying about those who didn't. Because the scrutiny kills our faith. So, here's what we're going to do this morning. Because we're more interested in results than a thorough treatment of the doctrine and making sure that everybody prays the right way, uh, we're just going to focus on a practical mindset way more than on a doctrinal treatment, all right? So this is going to be a teaching on the doctrine of healing. Uh, this is going to be some practical things that I think will help us pray for sick people and see them get healed. You ready? All right, let's do this quickly because I want to give us time to pray. So... We know that faith is a factor, but we act like faith sometimes is, is uh, uh, sometimes commodity that we can have more or less of. And uh, it's faith in Him. And this is important. Uh, that may seem obvious to you, but it's not. Faith in Jesus is what helps us. Uh, the contrast of that is faith in our faith. How many of you have done that? Faith in your faith. If I just, I think I'm ready. Wait, no, I'm not ready to pray yet. Just a minute. Okay, let's do it. Right? We're trying to stir up enough faith to heal. Jesus has all that we need. It's faith in Him. It's not faith in our faith. It's not the amount of faith. In fact, the apostles asked Jesus something in Luke 17 that you may have asked Jesus as well. I certainly have. And the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. By there? Yeah, wouldn't that be awesome? Let's look at the answer because I think it's important. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Let the reader understand. Tony's translation. Apostles, increase our faith. Jesus, you really don't need that much faith. No, it's plenty. Right? 
right? That's what he's saying, isn't it? How many of you find that answer unsatisfying? Yeah. Because I'm still not seeing the people I pray for get healed. What's up, God? Which is, I think, what the apostles were going to do. Now, here's what I want to do, because that's not his only answer. There's a weird cryptic story afterwards that, that is part of the answer. And so we have to understand this weird cryptic story. All right? So understand, he's still, he's still answering this question. They said, increase our faith. He says, yeah, you don't need that much. And then he tells the story. He goes, which of you, I'm reading through verses 7 through 10. Which of you, having a servant, plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he has come in from the field, come sit down once and eat? But will he not rather say to him, hey, prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk, and afterwards you can eat and drink? Does he not thank that servant? Uh, I'm sorry, does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. So likewise you, when you have done all those things which you were commanded, say, we're only unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. How many of you, I don't even need to explain, you understand what he's talking about. Only one person nodded their head. Yeah, I didn't either. Uh, fortunately, I had more time to think about this than you do. Because uh, you only have a few seconds. I'm going to start talking about it again. Okay, so, but think about that. This is his answer to that question. What the heck is he talking about? Well, as I pondered this and I prayed about this, I'm going, God, what are you talking about? Here's what I think is going on. Uh, now, he uses the, uh, you know, this guy obviously has a farm and has some servants. It's kind of like Jesus going, hey, you don't need a lot of faith. I, remember, I'm the farmer. I own the farm. I'm the one that's producing stuff here. You just need to do what I tell you. And I think that that's essentially what's going on here. He's saying, let me put it this way. Uh, he's saying, to the answer to the question, increase our faith. You don't need that much faith. I'll do the healing. You just need to believe me. You just need to listen and obey. When I say, make dinner, make dinner. When I say, feed the pigs, feed the pigs. You don't need a lot of faith. You just need to do what I tell you. You understand what's going on? Where's the focus? Remember Bethel? The focus is on Jesus, not how much faith I have, not what a good healer I am for Jesus. Jesus, I want to get my faith going so I heal the sick for you, so I want to get people saved. Jesus goes, really, actually, it's my farm. I'm healing the sick. I'm getting them saved. I just need you to believe me and do what I tell you. Right? I think that's what's going on here. I think that's why this weird cryptic story about a guy and his servants. I think Jesus is saying, guys, I, I, I'm excited that you want to have more faith and heal the sick, but it's, it's still my show. Just do what I tell you. The sick will get healed. Just follow me. You understand the difference? It's a subtle difference. But it's really easy for us to try and uh, stir up our faith and prove to God that we can do this, whatever, instead of just going, hey, it's God's deal. It's God's problem. Whatever God's doing, God's doing so it's a focus issue, just like they learned at Bethel. It's about focusing on him, not about our, focusing on our faith. Just listening and obeying. And I, I, I'm really good with that. I just, God, I just want to hear you do what you say and leave the results to you. Doesn't that sound more comfortable? Yeah? Okay, one person like that. Good. All right. Uh, just heard a, a testimony Wednesday. I pray with some pastors on Wednesday morning. One of them... Uh, Mike Hoffman, 
He's a retired Baptist pastor. He's doing this Luke 10 thing now where they get together and they share and they, they check in and they encourage one another at small groups. And they always include a time of listening and prayer. But they really lean into the listening thing, uh, listening to God. And so he was telling us on Wednesday about this lady who had these recurring migraines that were debilitating. And she was at her little Luke 10 group. And they said, how's everybody doing? And she checked in, you know, hey, I'm, my headache, my head's killing me, but, uh, you know, I'm, praise God, I love him. And they said, so when they went to their prayer time, they said, well, let's just pray and listen. And they're listening. I can't remember what God told them to do or pray or say or whatever. Uh, all I remember is the result of the testimony that Mike told us is whatever they did, because they listened, uh, she hasn't had a headache in like a month. Okay, I, I gotta be careful with this, guys. These are Baptists. <laughs> we gotta pick up the slack. You understand what I'm saying? Just kidding. They can heal the sick too. Anybody who listens to God and does what He says can heal the sick. Listen and obey. Is this making sense? So, uh, when we talk about faith in Him, I just want to point out a couple other things. I think it's faith not so much in a set result. We can, get, we can trip ourselves up by going, I've decided I want this thing, I'm praying for this thing, and this is what needs to happen. I have faith in that thing. Uh, I think we need to have faith in His goodness and His mercy and His love and let Him work out the details, okay? And uh, I say that because in Galatians 5, 6, Paul says something interesting. He's talking about following the law. And he says, you know, guys, it really doesn't matter whether you're circumcised or not. He goes, that doesn't matter. That doesn't mean anything. He says, what matters is faith working through love. And I went, oh, hey, maybe there's a principle there. Faith works through love. Maybe if I can learn to get a greater revelation of Jesus' love, faith will work better. Maybe if I can get love for people, faith will work better. Because it sounds like faith works through love. It's, like, it's almost like faith needs the medium of love to operate. Huh. Well, that's interesting. So when i am got someone up here at the altar and I'm praying for them for healing, is it more important that my doctrine's straight and I'm praying the right verses and I got them all lined up and I'm going to pray these same three verses that I prayed for the last person that got healed? Or is it perhaps more important that I go, God, I want to love this person how you love this person. Show me your heart for this person. I will submit to you that I get better results when I'm able to do that. Right? Faith works through love. So maybe we need to quit worrying too, so much about whether we're praying right or have the right doctrine or, uh, you know, oops, I, 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 did an I had an unbelief thought. Dang it, I got to start over now, you know. Let's just try and love the people in front of us. Let God do the hard part. We're just believing he can do stuff, Right? Also, we have faith in his goodness, and we have faith in his word. I want you to consider this. Now, we all have a Bible. We all know, if I asked you, if I just said stand up and quote a scripture about healing, probably half of you could do it like that. All kinds of verses, right? Because it's all through the Bible, Old and New Testament. So, we do this because we have faith in his word. That he's the God who heals. Now, it, this is how we apply 2 Corinthians 5, 7. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says we walk by faith, not by sight. 
that doesn't mean uh, the doctor says, you're going to die. And you go, well, I walk by faith, not by sight. I see the report that says I'm going to die, so I'm going to walk by faith. Well, what's that mean? I don't know. It just means not that. Well, maybe you need to get more specific than not that. Maybe you need to have some vision. Oh, well, I think it means, oh, okay, I'm getting it. I think it means, oh, Psalm 118, I will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. Oh, I got vision for sharing the testimony of how the doctor said I was going to die, but I didn't. Ooh, I'm going to have faith in that. Right? So we get the word and we apply it. How many of you know Hebrews 11.1? 1? Now, faith, good, substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. What's substance and evidence? So if we walk by faith, not by sight, we're walking by something that is substantive and evidential. Jesus, the scriptures, they are the substance and the evidence. We're not just saying, I'm not walking by sight. We're saying, I need some substance. I need some evidence I can walk by. I need a different focus. And so I pick a scripture. And that's my substance. That's my evidence. How do you know you're not going to die? Because I here's the verse. I got evidence. That's my evidence. That's my testimony. Not what that doctor said. He doesn't know any better. He doesn't have Jesus. All he's got is a hospital. Right? Now, this works for the Logos word, the written word. It works for a rhema word. If God gives you a word, I know lots of testimonies of people who had a word about healing and that they clung to. I wrote in my notes here last night, Greg, because there's a good story. And then I looked up this morning, and, uh, and there's Greg. Uh, so I thought, well, that's, that's an interesting one of those coincidences that God does. Uh, most of you know Greg. Greg pastored here for a number of years. He, he goes all over the country now. Uh, but he's here this morning. So we'll see how I do in the testimony. He can correct it later. Uh, but I remember years ago when Greg was still pastoring here, he had a heart surgery, and his heart was really messed up. It, it, I can't remember. It was like 30% not working. Is that about right? It was bad. The doctors were saying, we're going to do this surgery. You may die in the surgery, but if the surgery doesn't kill you, you're probably not going to live a lot longer, but we're gonna, we'll do what we can. That's kind of it. I may, I may not have the details right. That's kind of it. Well, I remember that Greg, uh, and we're all praying, and, and Chris is praying, and Greg's praying, and Greg went home and prayed, and God gave him either a vision or a dream of his grandkids. Now, he, as of yet, had teenagers. He did not have grandkids at that time. He has grandkids now. He went through that whole thing basically going, I'm going to be fine. I saw my grandkids. God told me I'll see my grandkids. Do you understand? That was a rainbow word from God that he applied faith to. That was his substance, his evidence that he was not going to die. And so far he hasn't. And that was, how many years ago was that? Like 20 years. If you'd asked the doctor, Doc, do I got 20 years? The doctor would have gone, yeah, oh, six months, was that it? Okay, so he's done considerably better, 40 times. Yeah. And he goes around, he prays for people, and other people get healed. Because he had a rainbow word, and he went, that's my substance, that's my evidence. I'm going to believe that. I saw my grandkids. 
Isn't that awesome? So, faith is persistent. Luke 18, parable of the persistent widow. I'm not going to read it for you. There's a lady. She goes to a judge. She wants justice. He didn't want to give her justice. She bothers him until he does. That's it. And it's Jesus telling us that we need to bother him with prayer until it happens. And he ends in verse 8 by saying, but when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Clearly, he's equating persistence with faith, isn't he? Will you still be asking, right? Now, here's what I think is interesting. We, we quoted Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is hope and uh, substance and evidence. Uh, you probably also know Hebrews 11.6, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Whoever comes to God must believe two things. You remember them? That he is, our faith is in him, and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Does everyone understand what the word diligent means? I would say that's a good synon uh, synonym. Synonym, yeah. It means the same thing as persistence, doesn't it? Diligence. Lori, this morning, as she is wont to do, quoted 2 Peter 1, 3, and 4. It's one of her favorite verses. She's been living in that. And it says, essentially, God has given to us everything we need um, for life and godliness through the knowledge of Jesus, that we've been given these precious promises, a whole book full of them, that by these, by standing on these promises, we can partake of the divine nature. You guys remember her? How many of you have heard Lori quote that verse? Good. Lots of you. You know what the very next verse says? It says, everything you've got, everything you have, Everything you need, you've got. You can partake of the defined nature. The very next verse says, so just sit back, relax, and just name it and claim it. Doesn't say that. Verse 5 says, because of these things, be diligent to add to your faith all this stuff. And he goes through that list. It says, because of this opportunity, be diligent. Faith is persistent. Faith is diligent. It's not like you just work up enough faith and you pray and you pray for 30 seconds. Well, it didn't happen. I gave it a shot. Faith is diligent. Don't be afraid to use the hammer. Jeremiah 23, 29. Is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? My word is like a hammer. Anybody broken a rock with a hammer before? One hit, right? No? More than one? Big rock? Depends how big the rock is. Had it come back? Sometimes you've got to walk by that rock every day and hit it with a hammer until it breaks. It will break. The hammer always wins. The rock never does unless you give up hammering on it. You understand what I'm saying? Michelle? Doctors didn't give, give you a very good prognosis, did they? You've been hammering? How, how, many, how many times a day are you using your hammer? Yep. Lots of people hitting the rock. You got verses? You hitting them with those verses? You understand what I'm talk, talking about? 
Guys, this, this is what faith is. And we use the hammer. Sometimes it's a fight as well. Sometimes it's not just faith, it's a fight. Uh, Acts 10.38, Jesus, how, how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all, are you ready, who were oppressed by the devil. <gasps> Sometimes it's devils. Apparently so. Well, now it's a fight. Now it's on. This ain't just faith. This is devils. Let me tell you my story, simple story, small thing. Uh, it's a fun testimony. This just happened uh, six or seven weeks ago. Uh, I hurt myself getting out of my recliner. <laughs> Not kidding. Those of you who are over 60 understand, you go to bed fine, you wake up going, why does that hurt? Right? So I'm getting out of my recliner and something catches and, uh, and it hurts down my side. And if I get my arm to about nine degrees, it starts hurting down my arm. Any more than that, I'm feeling it up in my neck. Clearly, it's something nerve, muscular, uh, it, it's painful, right? So this is Monday night. Tuesday morning, I'm at prayer our Tuesday morning prayer, and uh, we're praying for, and we're actually praying for healing, for a lot of people for healing, and I keep thinking, I got to get people to pray for me, because this hurts, um, but I, I just kind of keep feeling like not doing it, not having people pray for me, so towards the end, Gary is praying something about uh, resurrection life, and power, and again, we're praying to healing, and I just, I'm sitting there in the chair, and I put my hand over, and I go, resurrection life in the name of Jesus, that's it. And I and I'm go to loosen up my arm, and I'm going, huh. Doesn't hurt anymore. It used to hurt before I said resurrection life. Now it doesn't hurt. Now, I've prayed that prayer before. This time it worked. And uh, it feels like just that little residue of soreness, like, like I'd heard it a week ago, and it's just a hint, you know? But now... It hurt to go here, now I'm doing this, and I'm, I'm going, so I tell everybody, hey, I think I just accidentally got healed, uh, you know, because we were praying for that, right? So, I do what I always do after prayer, I go straight for coffee, and I walk out of the Kingdom Club, where we pray, and I'm coming to the kitchen to get coffee, and I don't even make it out of the south wing, guess what happens? It hurts again. It's back. And I'm going, oh, dang it. I can only get it right there. Now, of course, at this point, I went, well, we gave it a shot. Right? End of the story. No, because that story sucks. <laughs> right? But how many, how many of us have stories like that? Or have heard people, stories like that. Well, I thought God healed me, but I guess he didn't. So I went, wait a minute. You know? 27 feet ago, I was healed. And all I did was walk down the hall. So I, I went to war. I went, no. And I started quoting scripture at it and saying, no, in the name of Jesus. He healed me. That went away. Pain, you got to go. Now, it, I went about my day. I went and got coffee. I think we had to go somewhere. So I'm getting the truck to go to some, do something. And I kept doing this, and it didn't immediately go away. It took about 10 minutes. And I, and, and I just kept, every time I'd feel a pain, I just kept going after it, going, no, 
In the name of Jesus, by his stripes, I'm healed. Stop that. And about 10 minutes later, I'm like, eh, we're, we're good again. Got up the next day, all good. Apparently, I had to fight. Now, I could have just gone, well, give it a shot. It would have healed up in a week or so. I think, not that big a deal. I think God was trying to remind me of something. Maybe remind us of something. You with me? Sometimes it's a fight. So when it's a fight, don't be afraid to use the sword. Ephesians 6, 17. The word of God is the sword of the Spirit. It's what Jesus used against the devil three times. The devil tempts him three times. It is written, right? If Jesus needed the sword, you do too. So we use the word to fight. We fight for our healing. We're persistent. Now, perhaps you're wondering, well, what if I don't know? What if I don't know if it's faith or fight? What if I know if it's a devil or just like? Here's the beauty of that. It doesn't matter because the solution is the word. Throw the word at it. That, if you know, great. If you don't know, doesn't matter. I'm just throwing the word at it. I love James 4, 7. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will free, flee from you. How do you submit to God? I read his book, and I go, I agree. How do I resist the devil? I read his book, and I go, I disagree. That's it. It's all the book. So either way, just use the word. Don't even worry about figuring it out. If you can figure it out, great. If you can't, just use the word until you're better. Right? So, uh, good. That's, that's about it. I, my goal this morning... Again, was not to give you a thorough teaching on healing, was to build some faith for healing and to give you some practical tips to really raise our expectations beyond our experience as we gaze at Him, as we gaze at His Word. Can we raise our expectations beyond our experience? Or are we stuck in our experience? Right? Because here's the thing I think we have to be intentional. In the pursuit of these things, it's really easy. We've had words. We have had words about healing wells here, right, for a long time. It's really easy to go. There's going to be healing wells. There's going to be healing revival in Brevard County. Awesome. What do we do? Now yeah, we just wait until it happens. And then we're going to. It's going to be great. I don't know when it's going to happen. We just wait. I don't think that's the point of those words. God's going to be diligent. Be persistent. Get the hammer out. Get the sword out. Start to pursue those things. Be intentional about going to church next Sunday with more expectation. God said there's going to be healing wells. Let's get somebody healed. Let's press into this. Now, again, this isn't a test. Uh, don't go away feeling guilty based on what does or doesn't happen. We're just going, we're pressing into this. God does the work. We're just believing him. He said he wants to do this. We're just going to press into it. We're going to keep praying. That's why we pray a lot for healing on Tuesday mornings, because we want to see healing. Amen? Are you guys with me? Okay, good. This could be the right crowd. All right, remember, all things are possible to him who believes. Let's just live like we believe until it's obvious that we believe because stuff's happened. All right? Let's... Raise our expectations just like we believe people are going to get healed today. Let's just start going for it. So here's what I want to do. We're going to bring the band back up. While the band is coming, 
I want to open the mic for some testimonies. I thought it'd be good if we had a few healing testimonies. I'm looking for three to five testimonies uh, about healing. That would be great. So be thinking about that. Uh, I do want to do this, though. Um, I want to give you, uh, we sold this from somebody, I can't remember who, but I liked it, so it's mine now. Um, the ABC and D, the ABCs of testimonies. Are you ready? You need to memorize these. All right? They're in your notes. A, testimonies need to be about him. Stick to the part that Jesus did something. All right? We don't need to know how you got there and what car you were driving and all that. About Jesus. B, brief. 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 Any questions? C, current. Now, for our purposes, current means the last few years, all right, not uh, 1973, okay? Current, and don't preach. Don't preach. Just because you have a mic doesn't mean it's an opportunity to preach. The mic is open for testimonies, not all the other stuff. You understand? A, B, C, D. About him, brief, current, don't preach. So we're going to do that, and then we're going to go into worship. Uh, and Anna had actually an interesting thing happen. I'm going to have her share it right before we go into worship. So we'll do three or four healing testimonies. Go ahead, if you have one, go ahead and come up and line up and get ready. And then uh, we'll let Anna share that, and then we're going to go into worship. And the whole point of worship is this. We want to make room for him to act because it's on him, not on us, right? So here's what we're going to do. we got about half an hour left to do it. We're going to worship and pursue the presence of God, and then at any point where you're feeling like, hey, God's here, there could be healings, uh, do what he says. It might, and, and again, he might, he might tell you to go touch a wall, I don't care. Um, if he tells you to go pray for someone, go pray for him. Uh, we'll have the ministry team up front, ministry team within a song or two, you should wander up here and be ready to pray for people. And at some point, you feel like, well, I'm ready to believe God that he'll heal me. I'm going to go up and have someone pray for him. We're just going to turn you loose in the atmosphere of the presence and spirit of God to believe that he might do stuff. And again, healings, baptism, Holy Spirit, have fun. But we need to get some people healed this morning. Does anybody need a healing this morning? All right, there's a few, there's a few victims, yeah. candidates <laughs> you can practice on. All right, go ahead, Lauren. Um, I'm going to try for two quick testimonies. The first, um, two weeks ago, Pastor Gary um, came and found Sandy and I um, early on um, in, in the service. And um, a lady had wandered in, a homeless lady that was in excruciating pain and was struggling with all kinds of pain in her back and capability to function and move and ride her bike and sit and everything. Um, anyway, um, so we walked out there and, and prayed for her and just amazingly, it just bam, her healing manifested in her body and we, we just, you know, right away could tell that her, her, her countenance had changed, her face had changed. Um, and so you know, um, I said to her, okay, really quickly, I want you to sit down and stand up. And she sat down and stood up and she said, oh my gosh, 
I, I can't believe it happened so fast. And, and I said, sit down, stand up again. And it was completely restored. Her, her leg was completely restored, her spine, whatever was wrong. She, she had zero pain when she left the building. And it was just such a cool, um, I, that is why we heal. We want it to be a testimony for, for God's glory, for, for who he is. He is our healer. And, and um, the other one, um, many, many of us, especially in the Tuesday morning prayer, um, Pastor Aaron's kind of spearheaded this, have been praying for a, a beautiful woman named Rayanne. And um, we lost her to cancer. We all, there was multiple people, went to the home, prayed for her. Um, I went with Aaron on Tuesday, and I've, I've never felt the power of God so strong on me. Um, I really felt what compassion felt like to to move me to love that woman and and the power of God like it says in um Acts chapter 5 the power of God was present in that room to heal her I don't know why I don't know what happened but we this whole row back here of her family I just I grieve with you because she became dear to us and um, we're, we're all still learning. We're all still learning how to walk in this power gift that he's given us. And I just thank God that, that we are forever in a learning curve and that he doesn't give up on us, that he is determined to see his children be effective in the area of healing. And I just bless this family. I just thank you, God. I thank you, God, for Rayanne's life and that she's touched so many, and that she's safe with you now. So um, in the past uh, few months, um, as I, I, God did an amazing healing, and I really didn't even ask for it. I wasn't even aware of it. Um, as I was growing up, um, as a child, I went through sexual abuse, and I was terrified of males in authority places. And I really didn't know this, but he completely healed it, and it's all gone. So, you know, and he, he did it in such a supernatural way, and I became aware of it when it happened, but not so much asking for it, but just knowing that there was something wrong. Okay. Okay. So, um, God speaks to us in many ways. He can speak through nature, circumstances, through people, especially through the Word, even a fortune cookie, even a donkey. Um, but He speaks to me in fun ways, and I've been seeing all these flying pigs so I'm like okay God what are you saying anyway um, so I'm in just different places from ham on the street TV food show um, I was reminded of a prophetic word I gave to somebody 10 years ago that when pigs fly and uh, I just was seeing people with t-shirts with pigs flying and postcards and cartoons, and I'm like, okay, God, what are you saying? So 
actually, I looked it up. The phrase, when pigs fly, refers to something that is highly unlikely to ever happen. This idiom, um, they think it originated in Germany or Scotland back in the 1600s. So it's been around for a long time. And um, it was used throughout history to describe something that is physically impossible. So I'm like, okay, Lord, what, what are you saying? So um, Luke 1:37, you know, for with God, nothing is ever impossible and no word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment. And there's other scriptures in the word about doing the impossible. So I said, God, what, what do you want to say to your people? And he says, open your eyes and see what I'm doing. Watch to see things that are unusual, um, that you've never seen before, including signs and wonders, healings, deliverance, bringing you new strength, greater trust in the Lord, strategies, inventions. Our God is big. Don't be focused on the world. You know, you've probably seen bumper stickers that say, um, if you're depressed, you're not paying attention. That's not our God. We are not of this world. And so start focusing your eyes on Him and see the amazing things that He wants you to see. And if you see pigs fly, please let me know. So also this scripture, Luke 1.37, um, Tim was shopping and this cross fell off the, the shelf. And so he picked them up. So we have three crosses that say that um, our God can do impossible things, Luke 137. And he's supposed to give them to, to three people that really need that cross to hang in their house to believe. So, Lord, we thank you for, you have to help us believe, believe beyond the natural into the supernatural and the impossible. And we're going to see it. We're going to see it. So focus your eyes where they need to be. Thank you, Lord. Right, real, real quickly, we have two more waiting. If you, we need to go quickly. We're brief. I just wanted to share that my granddaughter was released from the hospital with her double flip heart again. And praise God, she's home. Well, I've been here for about 45 years in this church. The enemy tried to take me out three years ago with a heart attack. And every family member that I have that uh, has had heart attacks, they're, they're now with Jesus. So I know that I'm a walking miracle, and I'm here because I have to be here to support my wife. And so Jesus is alive and healing. 